Psalm 89 then. We'll read the whole thing and just have selections of it. Um, but uh, Psalm 89, which is given the title of Mass Kill of Ethan the Ezraite. Hear the word of God. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the Holy One. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the Holy Ones, and awesome above all who are around Him? O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you've created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm, strong as your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shouts, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Of old, you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness, my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be blessed. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children children forsake my law, and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But... I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. 
But now, you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. With your servant, you have defiled his crown in the dust. You've breached all his walls. You've laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He's become the scorn of his neighbors. You've exalted the right hand of his foes. And you have made all his enemies rejoice. You've also turned back the edge of the sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease, and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity have you created all the children of man? What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations. With which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Scripture says the grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but that the word of the Lord uh, lasts forever. And even what we see here. This is a bold psalm, if you're able to follow along as we're reading this. The psalmist is very bold in the way that he speaks with God. He uses a lot of strong language and, and is bringing his complaint before God. He's presenting a case uh, before God against God. And what you hear if you're following along the, the language of it is, is frustration. Um, deep, deep frustration of having felt uh, disappointed by God where he hasn't even kept his word of what he would do. But even the whole first part of the psalm, even with all that praise, it's, it's partially calling God out. Um, he's, he's, he's filling out what God has said that he would do to then say, I don't see it. It's not there. But I want you to realize, even as he's expressing a lot of frustration uh, strongly before God, he's still expressing faith. Um, that, that in his frustration, who's he looking to? Who's he speaking to about it? Who's he calling to have some action in it? Uh, but with his frustration, it's a frustrated faith where he was speaking to God, asking him to do something. I think it's easy uh, for most of us, maybe to be able to relate to that. Frustration uh, part, frustration with God when we feel like what God's doing, what we thought he was going to do, what we wanted him to do, the same reality. And the promises of what it feels like we read in Scripture of, of the good news of the gospel and the blessing that we're supposed to experience, um, yeah, where, where is that? I'm looking around for it. Um, sometimes maybe you do feel like God's taking care of you, but other times you've got reason to be frustrated. Um, 
Why don't I have the job? Uh, why don't I have uh, the date or the, the spouse or the money that I need or friends that are around me and care? Why didn't I get the grade? Why did my summer plans fall through? Why don't I have a better uh, family situation? Why don't one thing or another or another that we wish was different? We're frustrated. The psalmist speaks boldly uh, and with, with strong language. Um, and I want to say that the strong language that the psalmist is using relates to the strong language that, that we use. You can see in the title I'm giving you for the, for the sermon here. Um, and, and let me say, before I get to say something, I'm going to say, I don't want to be encouraging, some of y'all have had these conversations with me, right? I don't want to be encouraging y'all out to curse or use uh, vulgar language um, that, that often is inappropriate, things that many people find uh, it's not disgusting, or maybe more than that, very, very offensive. Uh, so, so hear me clearly, I'm not encouraging in that direction. And I want to tell you that, that the gospel does not encourage us to be trying to cross those lines to, to offend um, with, with, uh, with harsher language. At the same time, you're hearing what I'm doing and talking about these psalms, and I want to bring out for you what these psalms are saying and what they're saying in the language that, uh, that is often uh, spoken by uh, some of us and by plenty of the campus. Do recognize that uh, deep frustration usually uh, expresses itself in a lot of strong language, um, even uh, even with cursing, right? Um, certainly common on the campus to, to curse and frustration. Um, I want you to see the sentiment the psalmist uh, is saying, uh, and some of the the sentiment of, of the expression of the psalm, uh, how it's found as he expresses his faith uh, toward God. So. I don't want to offend y'all, um, but uh, the psalmist's frustration to be expressed by the, by the uh, texting initials, right, the WTF, or in, in the words you'll commonly hear on the campus, what the right? Uh, I'm not doing that for rhetorical effect. I want you to hear what's in the psalm. Because, because those words or that attitude or that sentiment is in your heart as you're frustrated with your life. And I want you to hear there's that same sentiment in, in, in Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, the psalmist saying, what is it, verse, uh, verse uh, uh, 47, For what vanity, for what worthless, meaningless emptiness have you created the children of man? Um, be said more often on the campus, uh, what the f- um, that's the that's the feeling of it. All right, I had a little fun looking up, uh, you know, online. Uh, you know, give me a description of what this what this phrase means, like Urban Dictionary um, or whatever, right? Um, so here are here are some of the definitions uh, uh, there um, uh, for for WTF, right? A phrase said to state that one is in total disbelief or confusion as to what has happened or what is happening. All right, uh, sounds sounds kind of like the psalmist though, right? Uh, verse 47, what vanity, or later, Lord, where, where is your steadfast love, as you've said? Or, uh, or another one was uh, an expression of extreme annoyment or frustration, usually after a chain of bad events is just an attitude by something else that has just happened. Um, all right, hear me. I'm not saying that you should curse when you pray. I am saying that when you're cursing, you should pray. All right? You need to curse when you're praying. But when you're frustrated and you're cursing, you need to be going to God with that. He is inviting you in your deepest frustration and anger with Him to come into His presence and let Him have it. He wants you to to reach out to Him from where you are. This psalm is inviting you to that. Um, Listen, I think uh, generally when we're cursing, part of what's going on is we're 
able to recognize a little bit that we're, that we're cursed. That's the way scripture describes us, right? It goes back to the very beginning, uh, Genesis 3, didn't do the things that God had set up for us, and, and we're cursed. Um, and the world around us is cursed. And when we're, when we're cursing, that's, that's, what we're, that's the experience that we're actually, um, uh, that's what we're actually experiencing. But the world is wrong. Or sometimes that we're wrong, or other people are wrong, and things around us are not the way it's supposed to be, and it needs to be made right. And that can only be done by someone who's not cursed. Because all the rest of us just keep adding to the problems of it as well. Um, and we would need that not cursed person to take away uh, the curse, to do so by becoming the curse for us, to take our curse, and so that all the penalties of it will be finished, filled up. Uh, of course, is what scripture is who scripture says Jesus uh, is, and it's what it says He did. Um, I think, in a sense, cursing is really prompting you to look to the gospel in the light of in light of redemption. In Galatians three thirteen says this: Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. All right, Psalm eighty nine: Cursing or not cursing, when you're deeply frustrated even deeply frustrated with God, express yourself to Him. Uh, the Psalms inspired to help, you, to help you express that. It's inviting you to. Um, and it's giving you one, one slice, one aspect of what faith looks like. Maybe that we don't always recognize an honest prayer. We're going to look at the Psalm in, in three, uh, three different parts, past, present, and future. Um, so, so part one, um, back when it all made sense, right? Verses uh, from the start of the psalm through verse 37, uh, talking about the past. Back when, back when it all made sense, right? This is what the psalmist does, the first two-thirds of the psalm. Back when it all made sense. I do, you look back sometimes to the times when everything just seemed like the world was, world was functioning a little bit better, um, when things in your life just, just made sense. Maybe that's... All the way back to childhood, when daddy was your hero, uh, when mommy was always uh, there, life was good and felt taken care of. Um, maybe that's just looking back to last semester or last month or last week before the breakup, uh, before the argument, before the financial problems, um, before the bad grade, before the crisis of faith, before the, the doubts where we're plaguing you, you didn't know what to do with that. Um, it can be helpful to look back to easier times when things seemed clear. And that's in part what the psalmist is doing. Now, he's not just looking at personal experience. Um, he's talking about salvation history. He's, he's looking back to history of the way God has worked with his people. How is he accomplishing uh, his, his salvation? What God is doing? He's looking back to it for himself and for us to, to remind her of this. And, and we need the reminder of the past. Um, to hear the, the truth of the past history. I want you to notice, especially with the things that I'm saying, that the psalmist doesn't just start off yelling in anger with God. Right? Um, he's not just starting off cold. He, he's reminding himself of the past and the truth of that history. Um, most of the psalmist is in this, right? Two-thirds of it before you ever hear word of a complaint. In fact, you start reading the psalm, if you don't know what's coming, you're like, wow, this is an awesome psalm. Look at these amazing things it's saying about God. And then you're like, what, 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 what just happened here when you, when you get part of the way through it? Um, it's, it's, when, 
when you're frustrated, it's hard for you to look at the past. It's hard to see the truth of it. It's easy to forget um, what's gone before when you're frustrated, but it's helpful to look at it. Um, first part of the psalm, the language of it compares with maybe some of the most exalted in, in, the, in, in the Psalter, the things it says about God, high praise of God's character, uh, the things God's done. Um, and, you know, it starts off, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord uh, forever. With my mouth I will make it known to, to all generations. All right, he goes on, uh, verse 6, to say, um, who, who can be compared to God? Right? Who, who in the skies uh, can compare uh, with you? Um, uh, or, or is awesome in the way uh, in the way that you are. Talks about what God's done uh, in creation. He, he's all the way through drawing on God's uh, faithfulness and His power in creation over the over the seas, stilling the waves, um, the, the heavens, the earth, the whole of the world being made, the mountains by Him. Says, Blessed are those who walk in the light of Your face. Right. He thinks of God as, as being amazing. God having done amazing things, and to be near God or close to God. Is, is the greatest thing. Um, and then maybe starting with verse uh, 19 or so, he focuses particularly on the things that he doubts, particularly on the things that he's become frustrated with. He focuses particularly on the topic of, of steadfast laws. And throughout a faithfulness of his covenant promises, he reminds himself of the, of the promises that God's made. Um, Particularly, the covenant promises God's, God's vows of faithfulness uh, to his anointed, to his representative leader, uh, right? To his anointed. Particularly, that was uh, in the past before the psalm to, to David. Uh, and he says to David's offspring, as the anointed Messiah, the king, the representative uh, leader, right? You've spoken this vision of old uh, to your godly one, and you've, you've said, I've exalted one chosen from the people. I found my, David my servant. I will establish him. It goes on to speak even of, uh, even of his offspring. Um, uh, and you get the picture that in this covenant that God's made, his chosen one always wins. Everything goes well for, for God's chosen one. He's strengthened, he's, he's exalted, God's with him, and, and, and nothing's going wrong, right? The enemy cannot win him. The wicked can't bring him low. Uh, verse 23, I will crush his foes before him, strike those, down those who hate him. Uh, it says that God's favor and God's blessing uh, will, will always continue with him. Right, verse 28, 29, my steadfast love I will keep for him forever. My covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heaven. And then he even goes so far, he's, he's, not, he's not trying to just paint a one-sided picture. He, he acknowledges sin of God's people, right? Um, but remembers what God has said even about that sin. Uh, that God will, even though David's descendants and offspring will fail and will rebel against God, God assures that his covenant promises will remain. You can go back to 2 Samuel 7 and, and read it when God is making that promise to David uh, there, or you can hear it uh, stated strongly uh, in these verses, 34 uh, to 37. He says, well, he says, I will not violate my covenant. Right? If they violate my statutes, if they don't keep my commandments, I will punish them, but I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I've, uh, once for all, I've sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever, even in light of their sin. As long as the moon is still around, um, God's faithfulness continues. 
Right? Sometimes these are the hardest things to see clearly when you're, when you're frustrated. Um, and the psalmist guides us in doing the work to remember the truth. God is a, a true and an awesome and a powerful God to be praised. And he's also made promises for us to trust him. Sometimes those of you look back uh, to when things were, when things made sense, when it was easier, that reminder also makes the present a little bit more difficult. So if it was like that now, why, why is it not there uh, now, right? When you remember enough of the good times of the past, it, it's not just nostalgia that it brings back, but, but sometimes even a bitterness of where we are now. Um, you know, not only I thought you had my back and I thought you were with me, but I thought that because you said you would be. So what's going on? Uh, the psalmist, he, he really is singing God's praises, but you see he's also laying out his case against God. And this is who you said you are. You are. Um, this is what you said you would do. These are the extent of the promises uh, that you made, your covenant oath, even the assurances that you said um, that, that you made to that oath, uh, that you would make good on your word. What you know is this. Um, even in the, the bitterness of frustration, maybe, in that complaint, what's he clinging to? What's the psalmist clinging to as he's bringing all of this out? Uh, he's, he's clinging to what God has said. He's bringing that back up before him. You see his faith, even his frustration, saying, God, I'm coming to you with it because these are the things that you have, have said to me. He, he's leaning his whole self uh, on God and to rest in God's faithfulness. Right, how did he start off? Because he knew that he knew where he was going to end from the, from the beginning. He says, I, I will sing it forever. I'll sing of your steadfast love forever because I said you'll be faithful forever because you had said I'll be faithful forever. So I'm trusting myself in it wholeheartedly, though I don't see it. And if it fails, and if I fall, who's the one to blame? Who's, who's let, it, let it down? The faith of the, of the psalmist is uh, so frustrated. The, the reason that his faith is so frustrated, in fact, is because of how deeply and desperately uh, he trusts in God alone and brings uh, his need to him. Well, uh, that was all back when everything made sense, when the psalmist talks about it. Uh, what about the present? When you come to, uh, you come to verse 38, but now, all right, so part one, back when it all made sense, but part two, but now. Uh, but now, it makes no sense at all. Uh, now, it's, it's, it's not right. I, I remember the past, but now it's, it's not that way. This, this last third of the psalm uh, changes. This 38 to 51 is the psalmist's complaint. Um, and it's a case that he's, he's well set up. I couldn't put all the verses in the, in the sheet, but uh, a few of them are there. But if you've got your Bible to see a few more, I want to bring that out for you. So once you see that there's, there's good reason for the psalmist to be frustrated, good reason for him to be uh, confused. Um, uh, and I want you to realize that God's not surprised for you to be frustrated with him sometimes. And you can bring your complaint to him every bit as fully as you see it. So what you see the psalmist doing. Look at, look at verse 34. And then compare that with verse 39. Um, right? Verse 34, I will not violate my covenant. This is what God has said. 
Right? You can look at that. I can talk to him. It's the same thing. I will, even if they, even if they do wrong, I will not violate my covenant. Verse 39. You've renounced your covenant with your servant. Contradiction. Where is it, God? Look at verse 38, and then we'll go to 28. It says, but now you, you've cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. Back in verse uh, 28, he said, My steadfast love I will keep with him forever. Which is it? Is it wrath or is it love? Is it wrath against your, your anointed? Or is it steadfast love that's always going to be there? Um, talks in verse 25 of, of his hand, right? Just kind of like his hand, his power. I will set it on the sea, uh, even over the... Um, uh, what is that? Uh, 25. Um, I'll set his hand on the sea, his right hand over the rivers. But in 42... Um, you've exalted the right hand of his foes. Alright? Um, go back to 22 and 23. What's happening to the enemies? They can't outwit him. Uh, I will crush his foes before him. But, but now in 42, you've exalted the right hand of his foes. You've made all his enemies rejoice. It's all backwards. It's all wrong. It's not what you said before. What's going on now? Uh, he has reason to be deeply frustrated and complaining uh, to God. Uh, God, uh, his character and his promises don't make sense in the present. Uh, and it seems to be the exact opposite, as if, as if God hasn't come through. That's where he stands. Who God is and what God says seems like it has, doesn't make any sense at all. He even goes so far as to say that that, that makes it feel like he doesn't have any worth at all, but like life itself doesn't make any sense at all, right? To me, one of the strongest phrases in the whole psalm there, in verse uh, 47, one of them, um, uh, just how short my time is, he says, for what vanity, for what emptiness and, and worthless uh, pain have you created the children of man? There's no point in all this. If this is all there is, and you're not fulfilling any of these things you said, and we're just hoping that, for, for what? Right? Is this what you've designed me for? Is it just from the point of the, is the point of me trusting your promises so that I'll then fall on my plate, on my face with no hope? That's what it feels like. Um, is, this, is this what you wanted for your people? Rejection and, and shame on us because we trusted in you? It's like if this is all you're doing, if this is all there is, it's pointless. It's empty. It's meaningless. It's worth nothing. Um, Say it one more time, if this sentiment was texted, it might be texted WTF. And if, um, if it was said on campus, it would likely be said in terms of, God, what the f***? How is it, how's it going on this way for what you're doing? Now, listen, we tend to think that if those words were on, that, on our list, or, or that's the sentiment in our heart, that there's no way we can come before God. Right? Because you giggle if I'm going to say that in a sermon. Um, and you don't feel like if, if that's what you're thinking, or if those are the words that are coming out of your lips, then, like, you've got no place with God right now. You can't speak to Him. Look at this song. God's the one who's brought it here uh, for us. Um, the psalm blows that perspective out of the water. It says, come to God in that sentiment. That that's what faith looks like from that place of frustration. Even bringing the strongest complaint that you have. Listen, if you're, if you're not a Christian and you're 
I don't know what your frustration is, what other things in life, or you're tired of hearing about the good news of the gospel, what things it's supposed to do in your life, or you're frustrated with Christians, or you're frustrated uh, with God himself, bring it to God. Uh, Lay out your complaint against him, full strength, as much as you can bring it, uh, yelling or not. Um, uh, God doesn't doesn't want you to be holding yourself back. Um, he, He wants you to come to him. He wants you to give your whole self to him, even if that's in frustration, he can handle it. Um, he invites you to do so uh, in the psalm. But I also think it's more likely Christians who feel like we can't talk this way. Um, and, and I'm not saying just not talk that way in terms of a particular word or, or cursing. I'm saying in terms of complaining and frustration uh, against God, to bring a case against God we're saying, God, you said these things, uh, but now looks like you're doing the opposite. Um, and to say before God, if this is all there is, if this is the whole thing, it's worthless. I'm worthless. My faith would seem worthless and empty. I, it's not like y'all don't feel this way. Um, I know some of y'all enough to know particular things about what you feel uh, this way. Um, but, but we often don't feel like we can be honest in prayer before God with that feeling. Um, we still think in prayer we have to be good enough in what we say and how we say it uh, for God to accept us. Um, and instead, uh, we should trust God and lean on Him uh, from whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, including being deeply frustrated or disappointed uh, with God. But the, the Psalms shows the expression of faith, even when, it, even when what God's doing seems to make no sense. Right? Verse 49 is like a strong... Jab. Lord, where is your steadfast love of old? This is, this is what you're known for. You're, you're a God of faithfulness and covenant love, steadfast love. Where, where is the thing that you swore uh, by your faithfulness to David? Where is it? As you notice, for the psalmist, that's still his only hope. I don't see it, and if that's not there, I've got nothing else. God, the gospel is all I have uh, to lean on, and I don't see you fulfilling your promises. If that's not there, there's nothing. This is all I have to look to. And he, so he calls God to remember. Right, verse 47, remember how short my time is. Or again in verse, uh, verse 50, remember, O Lord. His goal in the prayer is still to express faith, this deeply frustrated faith. He's expressing it and calling for God's help as his only hope. The climax of it. 1551, right? Remember, O Lord, your servants are mocked. Mocking, uh, it says, um, even uh, your enemies, O Lord, mock. They mock even the footsteps of your anointed, of your represented leader that you chose, that you lifted up, that you appointed. He's yours. He's mocked. This is what we're left to. This is what you're, this is all you're showing us that you've done. It's right now, it makes no sense at all. There's one more verse in the psalm. Uh, Part three, beyond what all is seen. Uh, Beyond what all is seen or, or not. It ends with verse 52, right? And uh, psalm, this psalm ends, and in three of the psalm ends, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. 
a fitting conclusion to this song, right? When you got to the end of it, that's exactly what you were expecting here. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. He seems to be renouncing his promises, and we have no hope, and the one that he's appointed for us to save us all, and our, uh, his representative is, is mocked. Blessed be the Lord forever. And, uh, it, uh, it's not sarcasm, though. Um, it looks beyond what all is seen or not. Still trusting in God. By faith, and not by sight, because he doesn't see it. He can't see it. Because there's more that God goes on to do. Uh, God goes on to fulfill his promises. I even want to put it this way. God goes on to answer this prayer. The psalmist is calling him to remember, and the Lord does not forget. He remembers what he has promised. He remembers the things that he has said about his anointed and what he will do for his people. And he shows his steadfast love with anointed, his Messiah, supremely, climactically, and his anointed uh, Messiah, Jesus, his Son, as Christ. And Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. It goes beyond all that's seen right now or not. Because the psalmist could not see the fulfillment of God's steadfast love in the future. What he saw, it wasn't happening. He could not, he could not see it. Um, but God did it. He established his covenant forever through Jesus as the promised offspring of David. Um, going, I went beyond what the psalmist was looking for. He, he's, he's, he's looking for an earthly kingdom with a king with a measure of prosperity and peace back in the golden age of when David and Solomon were, were ruling. Instead, in Christ establishing an eternal kingdom, uh, an eternal kingdom of redemption from the curse. See, God's steadfast love was active, but it was waiting. Uh, waiting for his appointed time to prove it, to prove his love uh, in ways beyond all comprehension. And he allowed a lot of really rough things, not only to his people, but particularly to his anointed. He allowed his anointed to be mocked. He allowed the Messiah, Christ, his son, had to be mocked, be spit on, be whipped, to be beaten, to be nailed to a Roman cross, and executed as a criminal. Pronounced guilty. And God showed his love to mankind, um, making, his, making his anointed a curse to become our Savior. Galatians 3, the right before, says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so Jesus, nailed to the cross, became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse. He took the penalty of God's wrath. He took the fullness of all that curse entailed, and he suffered under it. Um, and he died, condemned by God, and remained dead till the third day. It doesn't end with the mocking of the Christ. God exalted uh, his anointed from the grave, raising him up, the resurrection, and, and ascending to God's right hand, ruling uh, forever, waiting to make all things finally and fully right. The new heavens and the new earth. That's what the rest of Scripture goes on to show. There was more beyond what the psalmist could see. God fulfills his promises, and he, he does not put to shame those who trust in him. And so... Blessed be the Lord forever. God answered the prayer. He fulfilled uh, his oath. Now for, for us, we get to look out at this side of the resurrection. 
But we still experience the frustration, too. Um, not yet the new heavens and the new earth. We, we don't always see God fulfilling His promises. The, things that are the good things in Scripture that He says that the people get to enjoy in closeness and fellowship with Him, or the fruit of His Spirit uh, drawing and working in their life that produces love and, and joy and peace and patience, and we're like, I'm not, not where I'm at. We still experience the curse in part. Uh, pain, suffering, and bitterness, and hurt, and arguments, and loss, and grief, and trouble. Um, but on this side of the resurrection, I'll say this, we can all the more come boldly before the throne of grace before God with our frustration, um, looking completely to God as our only hope. And even for the psalmist, uh, verse 48, right, he says, who can, deliver, who can deliver his soul from, from the power of, of Sheol? Um, uh, what man can live and never see death? And, and after he dies, then who can deliver his soul from the power of, of, of hell, from the power of Sheol? There's the answer to that question. Uh, that Jesus has done so. Uh, that Jesus has, has risen victorious over the grave, uh, putting an end to, to, to death, um, or having victory over it for his followers, and that he will raise them up from the grave. Uh, giving them life eternal. Raising up the psalmist to see the answer to prayer that didn't come too late. I don't know when the psalmist died and where things were then, but that wasn't the end. I don't want to be the end. Raises up for him, uh, to, for the psalmist to see and to praise and to keep saying, Blessed be the Lord forever. That you, even if you're, even if the answer to your frustration isn't coming, you wait for it and you pray, and it isn't coming, and it doesn't come, and you don't see it, and you can't see it. Even if it doesn't come, your whole life to death, God raises up after death, um, and this is His steadfast love that truly lasts forever through His anointing. Blessed be the Lord forever. When it all makes sense, when it makes no sense at all, uh, because it goes beyond all that is, that is seen or not, what God has done in Christ, that we can say, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen. Amen.